0: I would like to just preface this episode that today I am drinking a Tim Hortons black steep tea. Um, no fruit cocktail this morning. Um, it's just a nice Tim Hortons steeped tea. Did we shame you into drinking a steep tea?
1: Cause I am on board for that.
0: <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I had some of the, the, you know, the canned fruits from the fruit syrup. I had that before I had my tea, but, um, I just, in case anyone is uh, going to shame me for drinking that syrup, uh, i just like to say I've changed my taste for this episode. Who knows about next week's episode?
1: <laughs> so, question for you, Jeffrey. All righty, shoot. Um, how does it feel like to be first? In the sense, first to be eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs the montreal canadiens how does it feel like jeff are you proud
0: see i thought you were going to go in a completely different direction when you said that but um you know it, it just means we've got a better chance of going for the number 1 draft pick i think we all know this is a lost season for the habs and you know we're going to come back strong next year this year is all about development Finding our game, finding who's you know going to be part of the core next year. You know, getting everyone healthy and uh, ready to play in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty
1: three. You're no fun.
0: <laughs> I think it's important to like recognize when it's not your year, right? Like, like look at the trade deadline that we talked about like last week, right? Like, there's some teams that don't realize, you know, just making the playoffs isn't enough, or just challenging for a wild card spot isn't enough. Like it, when you're going to go for it, you should be going to. To like win the Stanley Cup, not just you know to get playoff revenue, like you need to know, you know, if you're actually a contender, and if you're not, sometimes that's just as important to recognize hey, I'm not a contender, let's rebuild and try again next year. Ugh, you're no fun,
1: you are no fun. Do you know, do you hear that, Jeffrey? You're no fun.
0: I think I'm plenty of fun. Um, I'm just you know, a realist, uh, not. I know you're the optimist, and I'm sometimes a pessimist. But I, I believe I'm more of a realist, and I recognize, you know, when we're we're down and out. The Habs, you know, the Kings. I think, you know, they have a chance. There, I, I would say them as like a number one contender, but they got a shot. But and I agree, like they're they were a team that should have went for it this year, and they they made a couple of deals. I don't know if they they themselves think they they've really got it um but yeah you know to each their own everyone believes in their own team and what direction they're going in and for me and the habs you know sure we're the first to be eliminated this year but you know last year we were the last team to be eliminated so you know it, it evens out so okay is it kind of weird that
1: the team that's played the most games is the Vegas school and with 67 right so even they have 15 games left in the season right of the 82 game season yeah yeah um is it weird that if we use Money Puck, which is kind of like, you know, the, I don't want to it, is, the go to site to see playoff odds, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's already basically 12 teams that have less than 1% chance of making the playoffs. Like it seems really early. Like if we want to go up till 10%, even, there's 15 teams. Does that not seem like super early?
0: Well, you have to think about the entire Eastern Conference, right? Basically, the eight there's eight teams already qualified for the playoffs. Like, I think Columbus is like, what, 14, 15 points back from the wildcard spot. Like, that's eight teams right there that have like a less than 1% chance of winning, right? So, like, to me, I think the East, that like, you know who the playoff teams are and you know who aren't playoff teams. And it's just been so distinguished and decisive that, like, they've been able to, you know, you know, decide, like, who's going to, you know, make the playoffs. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised just because Montreal is the first doesn't mean, like, they're going to be the only ones who are officially eliminated for a long time. Like, I feel like there's other teams right now who are, like, maybe a game or two away from also being officially eliminated from the playoffs. You
1: know what's interesting, though? So if you look at the number of like, teams that are eliminated, the eight teams, right? The Red Wings, Sabres, Sanders, Canadiens, Blue Jackets, Islanders, Flyers, Devils. Um, only one team has a positive goal differential. And of the eight teams that have, you know, we've kind of assumed are making the playoffs. The Panthers, Leafs, Bruins, Lightning, Hurricane, Penguins, Rangers, Capitals. They all have positive goal differentials. There's only one team with a positive goal differential in the eliminated eight. Do you know who it is?
0: Well, you were kind of, you know, telling me to check out Money Puck. So I was looking at Money Puck and it is the New York Islanders with a nice plus two as the time of this recording.
1: Yeah, and then next up is the Blue Jackets 29. Is this like turning into... Like a two-tiered
0: conference? I think maybe it's just this season. Like, I think if we look at the Atlantic, it was... Well, I think we most people thought Montreal might be a little bit better than, you know, they are right now. So I think it was supposed to be a little bit more competitive. And when you look at the Eastern too, right? Like, I think a lot of people thought the Islanders and the Flyers could be competitive as well. But... They kind of shit the bed this season, so I, I think this year it was really clear that it was a two-tier conference. But I don't think that it was that it's going to be that simple moving forward. Like I think that like going into next season, it's going to be more of a fight for those playoff spots.
1: So, what team do you see making that big jump next year? Right? Like the whole point is there's such a big gap between the eight. It seems like a monumental task right like realistically do you think the the red wings sabres centers or canadian are ready to challenge the top 4 in the atlantic
0: i think we probably the atlantic's going to be a little bit more tough i like boston is probably like the one team that might start trending down and then maybe one of the teams in the atlantic can pop up i'm hoping the habs but at the same time, it's Boston too, so you never know. I think if you're looking for potential movement in the playoffs uh, in the East, we're looking at the Metro, like, I mean, Pittsburgh, right? They they could potentially lose Letang, Rust, and walk into free agency this offseason. Like, they could suddenly go on a rebuild for some reason, and then maybe one of the teams in the Metro might step up. Like, I think the Islanders, they were handed a tough schedule at the beginning of the season, and you know, there's a reason why, like, they're a good team, right? Like, the two. is just that they had a really terrible start to the season and couldn't really recover for the rest. Like, they couldn't make make it up. So, like, I could see the Islanders coming back to maybe replace, you know, one of the teams that falls off in the East. But, I mean, like, every season is going to be different, right? Like, who knows if the pandemic's still going to be a problem going to 2022-2023 season. Like, could there be teams going on outbreaks and stuff, like and games having to be canceled again? Like you never know.
1: Well, I guess my my question is, as long as Crosby is playing, it's the same idea with the Vetchin, right? As long as the Vetkin's playing or Crosby's playing, they're not gonna rebuild,
0: right? I they won't, but at the same time, like How much are they going to be offering Malkin, Rust, and Latang to stay on this team? And, you know, do they want to stay on this team still? I think that's a big question for Pittsburgh management to figure out. And, you know, with these players as well, do they want to, you know, try again one more time? Do they think they have a chance of winning one more time with Pittsburgh? Or do they think they have a better chance going somewhere else?
1: I guess, yeah. But at the same time, I like looking at it right now, right? You'd basically need a flip of about 20 points, right? The gap's about 20 points. If it holds on for a season, the expectation is probably going to be even more, right? Like 65, 66 66 games-ish in, the gap's about 20 points between the Blue Jackets and the Penguins. So to say, you know, maybe there's a 20, 22-point difference, but in a year, I don't think that's unreasonable. Do you think they can flip 22 points in a season? I really don't.
0: I mean, it's going to take it's not like one team's going to catch up, right? They're both going to kind of meet in the middle. So like a 10-point difference by two teams, like one team going down 10 points, the other team going up by 10 points. I don't think it's that unreasonable. Plus I like I think there's probably going to be a little bit more parity going into next season um in the east. So I feel like we're going to see, you know, the worst teams improve a little bit. The top teams, you know, might not be able to improve as much again. Like I I can see a little bit more parity. Like it's not going to be that big of a difference. Like I I think it's going to be funny though, for sure. Like seeing the entire, like when you look at the standings and just see everyone already, like whoever's in the playoffs are all, all qualified by like 70 games in or something.
1: So can I ask why besides the whole COVID you know, scenario maybe being limited, why do you see parity in the East coming back next year? Because I don't. I, I think it's pretty clear of my view. I don't think there'll be parity for at least a couple of years at this rate.
0: Well, I think we're seeing teams like Detroit then Ottawa. Like, they're on the upswing, I would say. Like, they're not going to be, like, you know, challenging per se, but, like, they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be Stepped over by all the top teams anymore. Like they're going to be a little bit more competitive. I see New Jersey in the same vein. Columbus, I'm still iffy about. I mean, we we'll, we we'll, we have to ask Anton next week to see like where he thinks Columbus can go next season. Um, the Islanders, I think, will come back strong next season. And like, I'm not saying like they're going to make a jump like just by themselves, right? It's going to take, you know, inter like their inter division games where you know they might instead of. If it's a four game series, like instead of like losing all four, maybe they win one, maybe they win two, and that brings a little bit more parity that like closes the distance between the top teams and the bottom teams. Like, is it going to close by a lot? Probably not, but like I think there's just going to be more parity compared to this year.
1: So, are you saying that it's possible, but not 100%?
0: Yeah. Uh, like I, I wouldn't like like if I were a betting man, like if I was trying to guess playoff teams for next year, I think your if your best chances to keep your money would be or to win money would be to just pick the same teams who are making the playoffs this year. But um if you're you wanna know, live life on the edge, I think you could definitely see one of those teams dropping out and a new team coming into the playoffs next season
1: and that's for the east right the west is a different story
0: yeah i think the west i mean the west right now it's quite close like especially if you look at the pacific except for calgary i think every team has like they're they're all fairly close to one another and then same with the central like that's just a that's another division that's qu- quite close as well between 2 to 6 so like, and I don't see much changing in the Western Conference that's gonna you know make a huge difference going into next season as well,
1: well, I mean, at the same time, I think there's a little bit of consideration knowing that fourth in the Central is predators at sixty five point seventy eight games the sharks, the sharks, not sorry the stars have a two games in hand and are only three points back right so I mean, like there is very much a lot moving still right not at the east where like you like both of us talked about right where it's like this is it these are the eight teams we can basically wrap up the season right like right now i would even argue the jets are hanging on by a thread i don't think i'm not too optimistic if i'm a jets fan but they're hanging on by a thread right
0: yeah like if you're looking for like watching like you know exciting hockey and like the playoff chase like you're definitely watching the west games and like with all these teams like being fairly close but then also recognizing that you know there's you know the game differences between some teams right like dallas has only played 63 games so they've got plenty of games in hand if they win those games they would shoot up to the top of the central like or close to the central right like they're gonna jump into the divisional spot so it's definitely a lot tighter there, and I mean like Vancouver i yeah I would even say Vancouver still probably has a chance with seventy one points in sixty six games like it's gonna be interesting to see how the west the wild card how that plays out by the end of the season we've got about you know seventeen to twenty nineteen games remaining and see how how that's gonna shape up, but I think that's gonna be pretty interesting because there's quite a few interesting teams I would say um of those five teams fighting those for those two spots. And they all kind of deal with something a little bit different at the trade deadline, I think, which is all kind of interesting as well. So we'll see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting start. And um, with that, let's start the show proper. You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network.
0: And we are back. So I think we actually had to make a correction from our last week's episode. We had said that the Islanders were the only team to not make a trade at the trade deadline. And this week we found out we were wrong. There was one other team that didn't make a trade at the trade deadline. Do you know which team that was, Olsen?
1: What is this irrelevant team making us look bad?
0: Well, we thought we had broken a trade during our recording that Vegas had traded Evgeny Dadanov to the Anaheim Ducks for uh, John Moore and Ryan Kessler's contract. And I think there might have been a pick involved. But, you know, this week we found out that trade was uh, invalidated because uh, there are some problems there with that trade. It's good
1: to know that the NHL is just as disorganized as our podcast.
0: <laughs> well, like, let's discuss, like... There's been multiple parties, right? Oh well, let, well, let's talk about the incident first, I guess. So enough has a modified no trade clause. And one of the teams on that no trade clause was the Ducks. Because in California, the income tax is uh, not very nice. So if you're someone who wants to make sure that they earn all their money that they sign on their contract, you prefer not to go to California. So I'm assuming he also probably had like LA and San Jose. As part of his uh, no trade clause, um, but he was traded to the Ducks, even though it was on his no trade clause. But the Golden Knights apparently didn't know that he had a no trade clause, or that the Ducks were on it, or uh, we don't really know. And uh, so they tried to push a trade through. And when Dad and Off found out, and his agent found out, they're like, "Hold up, wait, the Ducks were on our no trade clause. That's not allowed." And now you know after some investigation they've decided that you know that trade yes it was incorrect and that enough is back with the golden knights
1: so like what a mess right
0: like how can they like how do they mess this up like who like i know we i don't want to play the blame game but i think it's always fun like who is at fault at, like i think there's multiple people at fault but who do you think is primarily at fault here
1: well at the end of the day, like you're right. It's not just one party that messes this up, right? Um And it's very hard for us to speculate because in my mind, here are the possible people who have messed up. The Ottawa Sanders, you didn't communicate the, the no trade clause, you know, the 10 teams on there, that's one. Vegas, for doing this trade, right? Um His agent, you know, May, you know, it's possible they forgot. Like in the sense, it's very hard to blame one person say this person deserves or this team deserves the most blame because I just listed three right off the top of my head, right? There's maybe a whole bunch more, right? It could have been like a specific AGM, you know, hell, it could even be a specific intern that forgot to, you know, fax a document, you know? Like that just means there's just so much possibility. And I know this is like the cop-out answer, right? Like don't get me wrong, I know, I'm totally aware of this cop-out answer. But, like, that's kind of... It's very hard to give a specific one, you know what I mean?
0: I think it's interesting that... So, like, everyone, you know, we've blamed Ottawa. Like, if you, like, listen to everyone else, like, Ottawa's to blame, Vegas is to blame. I'm surprised you said Dadanoff's agent is also to... You know, is at fault here. Like, why is that? Like, that's that's an interesting one. I don't think we've heard that before.
1: Well, at the same time, like, I think everyone had an idea that Dadnob was possibly going to be moved, right? And in those times, you're going to have a lot of conversations with the GM, being like, hey, what about this team? What about that team? I think it's possible. Again, it's possible. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks, right? He could have gone, hey, remember, he has this 10 team that he can't be traded to. You know what I mean? Just, like, be a reminder there. Because there's no way this wasn't at least, like, something that was discussed earlier, right? This wasn't like five minutes before the trade deadline, we gotta get rid of Dad now. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know what I mean? This was very much a, we've had a conversation. This is what we think we'd have to do. Cause at the end of the day, this is a complicated deal, right? Like when you bring on contracts, like a Ryan Kessler contract, you're looping in other people, right? You are bringing in your, your capologist, you're bringing in, you know, some your legal team, your medical team, you know, whatever. Right? You're bringing in a lot of people, so it's clearly a conversation they've been having for a while. At some point, I feel like the conversation would have been like, "Hey, is your client okay playing in Anaheim?" And that's where I assume an agent would have been, "No, because he's on my no trade clause." You mean so again, just throwing stuff at the wall.
0: No, I think that's like a really, like potential like reason like reason why like I feel like the agent they should have you know stepped up and been like hey like you know I, my player has you know a modified no trade clause like do you know which teams like I want to make sure my my player is going to a good team or something or at least you know maybe like that enough since he's been in Vegas right it's not like he's you know playing top line minutes or second line minutes he's stuck uh, kind of on the third line there right so like I think the agent could be at fault here. Like he probably could have represented his player a little bit more, like you know, making sure that, you know, if he does get traded to a team that, you know, would that enough would want to go to, right? So, no, I completely agree with you with you on that point.
1: Yeah. So I think there's a bunch of options, but at the same time, it wouldn't be fair if I was alone to answer that question, Jeffrey.
0: I I don't know why my first thought was like, how the hell is Ottawa at fault again for something that's not even remotely their problem? Like, I kind of want to blame Ottawa for this. Like, Vegas should be at fault. And we'll discuss, you know, them as an organization in a little bit. But like, maybe I'm just a nice guy. But like, if I'm Ottawa, I would make sure I send in all the appropriate documents when I trade a guy. Well, I don't think... Let me jump in here.
1: I'm sorry, i really want to jump in here. Um... I don't think it is a nice guy type of thing right it's you have to provide your legal documents and i know i cut you off but i'm gonna have another point after this sorry
0: yeah i guess it's like like it's good business to make sure you send in everything that you're supposed to send like i don't know if it's required for them to send a no trade like the list of teams on the no trade clause but at the same time, I would feel like that should be like attached to the contract, maybe like as an appendix, maybe like, sure, like a t- they don't have to provide that no trade clause right off the bat when they sign the contract. Like maybe it's like uh, there the no trade clause, the number of teams dwindles as the contract progresses. So then every year at a certain date, they have to send it in and then you would just add that to the contract. Like I feel like paperwork somehow got lost and somehow and like. Ottawa like I feel like as as a business organization and that's how you guys run the Ottawa Senators Mr. Melnick like you run it as a business you don't run it as a hockey team like it's good business to you know be a uh, in like you know a a business with integrity and you know that does things correctly and not providing Vegas that no trade clause you know I I think that was the start of all the problems
1: so I'm curious though, if you're another team, or sorry, another player, and you know you're you're given options, you know what I mean? Like a couple teams want to pick you up, and one of those teams is the Ottawa Senators or the Vegas Golden Knights. Do you maybe think about it twice, or let's say you are? Another client of Maxime Moulivere, which is Danov's agent. So you're Kuznetsov, Radulov, Shusterkin, and then a couple of uh, prospects that I don't know. Maybe you're thinking twice about a contract with the Golden Knights or the Ottawa centers because you're fully aware of what's going on, especially if you're, in this case, um, someone like Radulov, where I could see you know, a team like the Golden Knights trying for you. I don't know
0: how it worked,
1: Don't get me wrong. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious what this turns into.
0: I think that, I think there's going to be a bit more oversight from the league. And I think that will kind of be more of a safety measure for all those players. Like, I think those players who have the same agent, like, even it, or who wants to sign with, like, a team like Vegas and Ottawa, I think you probably might ask more questions at the negotiating table. Like you want to make sure, like, if you do ask for a modified no-trade clause, that, you know, you make sure it's being passed on when you get traded. Or, like, it's very clear it's in your contract that you have this clause or something like that. I think the agents and the players are going to be a little bit more um, attentive when they sign on the dotted line. But, like, I, I, I wonder, like, I think it would be interesting to ask, like, should there not be like a very standard you know contract like template that every player signs like i would assume that you know every time a player signs a contract it should be almost the same contract like maybe it's the the how much money they make that might change um maybe it's uh the the ins- uh, insurance or liability whatever with the team maybe that's a different contract than between every team um maybe if you're attaching on clauses maybe that's like a separate form but like i feel like every contract should be fairly similar so i'm surprised like there's this kerfuffle like should the nhl not maybe have like a standard template for every contract where it's simply like almost everything is the same and all you have to do is maybe change the no- a couple of the numbers and then sign on the dotted line
1: So to my knowledge, it is, um, hence why it's called a standard player contract. So it's pretty standard. Um, To my knowledge, again, it's an addendum that the no trade clause or no boom clause are included, right? These are separate things. They're not part of the specific standard player contract. Um, At the end of the day, I think it was just someone forgot to fax something, honestly. (laughs) Or the team wasn't aware, like they just didn't input into their system or forgot about it because it would make sense that the NHL has this register, because right? that, cause that's how it all started, where the NHL went back and was like, uh, nope, <laughs> he's on the no-trade clause, so no, nope. right? So, like, to my knowledge, it's a standard contract, but at the same time, again, I haven't worked for a team yet. I wouldn't know, right?
0: Yeah, like, I wonder, maybe, like, starting like going into next season i wonder if the nhl like the central registry if they're gonna make a more robust system where they're storing every contract that every team signs and like keep it archived and you know organized correctly so that you know this doesn't happen ever again
1: well i think that's what they do right that's why they were able to tell them hey this will work because they have it such a robust. It's not on the NHL to be like, hey, teams, you know, this is what's going on. Right.
0: Well, should the team also? So, should, if there is a central registry, I guess there's the problem of privacy and confidentiality, but should it not be made not public, but shared to all 32 teams management so that they aren't caught off guard by? someone's contract in the end, like, do you think that would be a a potential idea to prevent, you know, this from happening again? Like say you want to trade for a contract, especially those LTIR contracts. Like what if you want to like really make sure, like instead of going to the team, would it make sense to go to like an NHL central registry to look at that contract instead of, you know, hoping that whatever team you're trading with is going to send you the appropriate details.
1: I guess. (laughs) I don't know it's, it's just this this is kind of embarrassing but at the same time jeffrey you're the you're the history guy on our team right on this that podcast right can you think of the last time a trade was rejected
0: um i think not in the nhl but i think we all know all right. I at least I remember the Chris Paul to the Lakers deal. Do you remember that deal? Okay, but we're
1: talking about NHL though, right? Like, I want like, can you think of anything from the NHL?
0: Um, like I think we've there's definitely been like deals that fell through last minute, like you know, like Eric Carlson to Vegas, um, a couple of trade deadlines ago. But like one that was like invalidated by the NHL, like was I want to say like Eric Lindros at one point. When he wanted to get traded somewhere, like when he just got drafted, was that one or? I I don't know. That's why
1: I'm uh, relying on you. Right? I couldn't think of anything.
0: Yeah, like I I feel like, oftentimes it's really rare for the NHL having to go back and be like, hey, wait, there's a problem with this trade. We actually had to invalidate it, or like, it's never been like at the trade deadline. Like it's always been like, oh, like they made an error, but they have time to you know rejig the trade and then in. like i feel like that's more likely but i can't off the top of my head think of one where like the nhl was just like nope trade can't go through and then the trade never happens
1: so to fix that's not a fix but to try to solve this problem the nhl sorry the golden knights basically have done more cap shenanigans right
0: well i don't know if it's shenanigans per se, like, maybe Riley Smith is injured and needs to go on long-term injured reserve and, that yeah, just so awesome happens to fix their cap situation.
1: Like, at, I don't know. I think I've had this conversation before, but I really do feel like they need to fix what, what they're doing, right? Like, in a sense that, hey... Maybe at some point we gotta figure out a cap for the playoffs. Like, it just all seems very fishy. Is it? Is it just me or like? I know we've had this conversation, but like, it just seems like a lot. A lot of huh?
0: It's a lot of mental hurdles. I would think like a lot of cap hurdles as well. And I think if you start putting a cap on, like, on the playoff team, like that's gonna. That's not going to get a lot of um. What's it called? I don't think a lot of teams would be happy with that.
1: But as a hockey fan, stuff like this makes it very hard for them to like figure, out, like understand. You know what I mean? Like for 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 us, maybe a bit easier because we've looked at it for so long. But it feels like it's very hard for new fans.
0: Yeah, like, I think the big thing I think casual fans won't understand is, like, why would they hold, uh, like, a player out for the rest of the season just so that they can, you know, get some other guy to replace him and, and have them both ready for the playoffs? Like, I think that when we're looking at these shenanigans, like, I think it's going to be fixed with the next CBA, but, like, for now, like... We're we're seeing what what's what's happening with Vegas, right? They're trying to play these cap shenanigans, but it's not working out, right? Like if you go on money puck, like what does it say the Golden Knights, what's their playoff percentage now? Like I think it's not looking too hot right now. Uh forty three and a half percent. So like less than fifty percent. And this is a team, right? Like if this was a fully healthy team, they would probably be a playoff team, but then again, they would also probably be way over the cap. So like to me, I think like it's a cautious tale, right? Like, we saw the Lightning do it with success when they put Kucherov on LTIR and had him come back for the playoffs. This year, we're seeing them, the Golden Knights, try it with Stone, and right now it's not looking so hot. So, like yeah, I agree like as a casual fan it's probably hard to understand, but like as like a regular hockey fan, I think you understand that it's part of the game in terms of like the financial workings and the problems of having a hard cap. Like teams are going to try to find ways around it and they're just being creative and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah.
1: No, I I get it. Um is there anything else you want to talk about Vegas?
0: I think we we beat this to the ground a little bit, but well, I think we never talked to them about like as much as the caption against have happened. Like, I think this is kind of like a culmination of their entire organization, their entire franchise, right? Like, do they think like they're like a fr- like they're the best franchise in the entire NHL for some reason? Like, like I think ever since the expansion draft, they've all like their front office has always thought like they are miles ahead of every other front office like they're the cream of the crop like they can do no wrong and I think now things are starting to catch up where they're realizing hey like wait we're not actually that good maybe we need to you know fix some things in the front office
1: honestly though okay this is maybe a, a hot take I think they've done really well in the sense that they basically accelerated their time then really quick Right they got through their first big hurrah when people were very interested in the product' they were very intrigued about the product. But you know what maybe, maybe we'll watch a hockey game tonight. let's see what's going on there from a business standpoint, I think they've done great like this is you want to, when the momentum's there do really well and that's the really hard part, right like of course, every team wants to do right really well at the beginning, but golden Knights actually did it and now they're kind of on the downswing of their cycle. Like basically they just went through a boom and bust cycle like every team does, but skipped the growth part. So I I have no problem. I think it's a very well-run franchise to be honest with you.
0: I just find that like maybe because they did so well like at the very very early beginning that they've kind of, you know, they feel like everything that they do right now is going to be the right decision. And that if they do make an error, like they can always be like, Oh, look how well we did back then. And, you know, that's only going to play for so long. Like, like if we all remember that expansion draft, like we watched Vegas destroy other teams in terms of, you know, taking extra considerations for them, not picking a certain player. Like, like they did amazing at the expansion draft. I think more than any other expansion franchise in any sport could ever have done. Um, even like the little things. Like I remember that off season, they took on like a Marcus Kruger's contract from the Blackhawks for nothing, and then somehow the next day they flip it for a fifth. Like how? Like they were just fleecing under teams out of nowhere. Um, and then you look at them at the deadline, you know they were like a top team, and then you know they get to Tar. And who turns out to be poor fit, healthy scratched throughout the play, most of the playoffs, but then they were like able to turn that into Max ready. Then the next they get Mark Stone, they get Robin Leonard, they get Jack Eichel. Like they made all these big moves, and like yes, they're like a big model franchise. But then you forget about all the little things that he did that was like cutthroat and you know screwed their entire team basically.
1: Okay, but the fits don't don't work but at the same time like if you're going in you're in the top of the boom cycle like i mentioned you gotta be swinging for the fences nonstop, right like look at tampa look at toronto right like these teams are aware they're where they're in the boom cycle so you go all in and i think they I, i i have no problem with them making these deals even if it doesn't work
0: but i think the big difference between you know what you mentioned about you know Toronto and Tampa versus Vegas is the sustainability of what Vegas is doing. Like, can they continue being that team where every time there's a shiny object, they're like, oh, we must get it. And we will do whatever we uh, can to get that shiny object. We don't care, you know, who we have to move in the end, like what what we lose. Like, we're just going to get that shiny object every single time. Is that sustainable?
1: Look at the Lightning right now. Look at the Penguins look, think about how long the Penguins have been really good and they saw a shiny object in Ricardo Kelp, and they still went for it.
0: Yeah, but it's not like, like with Pittsburgh, right? Like they were sustainable because it wasn't like every trade deadline. They were like, oh, we must trade our first and get the next shiny object. Oh, in free agency, we're going to get the best player, right? Like they went through you know they they look for some depth pieces they try to round out their team the proper way like they weren't just star chasing and even with Tampa like yes they're getting players but like and they're training a lot of futures but it's not like they're making huge deals for these new star players to bring in right like they're filling out their roster more it's not like Vegas who's going for whoever's at number 1 on you know the TSN trade deadline they're like oh we must get that and go for it
1: Okay, but how much of that is because they can't? Vegas could, right? They're getting to a point where they're going to start having trouble with that, right? At a ninety-two nice million dollar cap hit. But the fact was they could do it, especially in the beginning, right? They had the cap space to do these things. Teams like, you know, the Lightning and teams like the Penguins couldn't because they didn't have the cap. All they had cap space to do was round out. The Vegas Knights, Golden Knights, were able to, you know, controversially. Don't get me wrong, do things like this.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's their their way of building a team. Where I think because they built like they started off with an expansion draft, like like when we look at teams like Pittsburgh and Tampa, right? Like their core is primarily drafted, and then they surrounded their drafted core pieces with great talent um great depth pieces and then when we look at a team like vegas right like if we counter expansion giraffe as their draft pieces like how many of those core pieces are still on the team like i was actually going to ask you if you think you can name like whoever was on the starting lineup um on the first ever game in the 2017 2018 2018 team who is still on that team still like from that expansion uh... draft
1: is Marshall really expansion draft? Yes, because they traded Riley Smith to make sure they picked Marshall. So Marceau. Marceau uh, Carlson. Uh Brady McNabb. And Carrier. And and <laughs> is that it?
0: Well, yeah, I get. Yeah, I was. I would count like Riley Smith too. Like I know they were kind of trade pieces, but like, like there's so little of their actual core of their quote-unquote drafted players that realistically they don't have a drafted core. Their entire core is coming externally, and like, yeah, that that is one way to build a team, but to me it seems like it's the wrong way to build a team. Like, and it's clearly evident. Like Vegas, you know. Maybe it's just because they are at the end of their boom cycle. They're going downhill now. Like it's a a little bit, you know, maybe that's why I said like last week, like maybe Seattle is going to have more long-term success than Vegas. But at least all Vegas has is this quick high right now.
1: So I think they're actually a team I'm probably the most interested to see in the offseason because as of right now, In the next year, they will actually be already over the cap. (laughs) Um, So going into next year, they have 83 million, almost 84 million signed. And if the cap remains at 81.5, they're already over the cap. And yes, they don't have a lot of high-end talent to resign, resign, but you still have guys like Riley Smith to resign, uh, Nick Haig, you know, and a bunch of RFAs, Brett Howard and so on. So there's a lot of RFAs, and you're already way over. Um I don't think Patrick Reddy's gonna be in the IR all year. Same with Mark Stone. So what do you do when you're already over the
0: cap? I could see Ryan Kessler moving to Vegas in the offseason. Like maybe like it's gonna cost him a little bit, but does it not scream they're going to just do what Tampa did and just find an LTIR contract and trade for it? Like, like the reason why Tampa is surviving is because they have a nice Brent Seabrook contract under LTIR that they never have to use. Like, I wonder, I could see, you know, Kessler's contract coming over to Vegas. Like they're going to need to do some LTIR shenanigans no matter what to be compliant into next season. Um, I have a feeling Dananov is going to get traded again, um, hopefully legally this time in the offseason. Like, I think they're going to do some cap gymnastics, but like, it's going to be interesting with Vegas. I think this might be like the one year where like as much as people want to play for Vegas and like it's an amazing city to be in no income tax, I believe like this might be a uh, an off season where Vegas might not be that. Um, it might not be that amazing free agent destination anymore because of all the shenanigans that's happened this season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a lot coming there because yeah, they're already over the cap. So you gotta get some sort of shenanigans going.
0: Do you want to play a little game?
1: Oh God. What is it? What are you, The Joker?
0: No, that's the Riddler, I think. Sorry, the Riddler. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be either, I guess. Okay. Can you name all thirty original um Vegas draft picks from the dispatcher? Oh,
1: come on. Um so
0: no, how about we go by team? We'll make it easier for you. If I'll I'll list I'll name the team and then you give me the player. If you don't know, just say pass and so then you don't have to, that way I'm not like chasing around. Is that would that make it a little bit easier?
1: No, but let's do it.
0: Okay. Uh Anaheim.
1: Uh Shea Theodore.
0: Clayton Stoner, Arizona. Oh my
1: god. Did they trade did they trade um Theodore to to pick it? To pick a Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. I'm so confident with that one, too. Um, who's next? Sorry.
0: Arizona. Oh, my God.
1: Uh, Arizona. I don't know.
0: Timu Pokinen, You can just say pass. We're just going to speed through this. Boston.
1: Okay. Uh, Colin Miller.
0: Correct. Buffalo.
1: Carrier. Because
0: he still have Correct. Him? Calgary. England. Correct. Carolina. Pass. Connor Brickley. Chicago. TVR. Correct. Colorado. No clue. Calvin Picard. Columbus. Oh, really? Um, Carlson. Correct. Dallas.
1: Oh, it's the guy with the red hair. Uh, Center. Um,. Eaton.
0: Correct. Detroit. Yes. No clue. Thomas Nosek. Edmonton. Reinhardt. Correct. Griffin Reinhardt, in case anyone's wondering. Yes. Florida. Uh, Marceau. Correct. LA. Barry McNabb. Correct. Minnesota. No clue. <laughs> Eric Halla. Montreal. No clue. <laughs> Alexei Emelin. Nashville. Really?
1: Emily? Wait, Emelin played on on the Golden Knights?
0: No, he was traded to Nashville for like a fourth.
1: Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, I have no clue. Um, so, so who's next? Nashville. The real deal, James Neal.
0: Correct. New Jersey.
1: Uh, uh, um, defenseman's got the golden hair, got a flow, got a like interesting mustache. Um, freak. Uh, he was pretty good in a couple seasons playing in Jersey. Uh uh, 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 he's a right defenseman. I don't remember.
0: Who is it? He's a left defenseman. John Merrill.
1: Fuck, John Merrill,
0: yes. (laughs) Islanders. No clue. Jean Francois Berube. Really? Rangers.
1: Uh, Lindbergh. Uh,
0: Correct. Ottawa. No clue. (laughs) Mathot.
1: Oh, really? Mathot played for the Golden Knights?
0: No, he got traded to uh, Dallas for a second and Dylan Ferguson.
1: Oh, really? Okay, cool. Flyers. Uh, Belmar.
0: Correct. Pittsburgh. A flurry. Correct. San Jose. No clue. David Schlemko. St. Louis. I do know who that is.
1: <laughs> uh, Peron.
0: Correct. Tampa. Uh, no clue. Jason Garrison. Toronto.
1: <laughs> um, 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 the Pest. Um, Leipzig.
0: Correct. Vancouver. No clue. Lucas Pisa, Washington.
1: Huh. Uh, Schmidt.
0: Correct. Winnipeg. No clue. Chris Thorburn. Huh. Not bad.
1: I, I did it better than I thought, to be honest with you. I wish I got. I wish I got John Merrill. I wish I got John Merrill, but you know, I'll take. I'll take the rest.
0: Yeah, that was a, that was a quick rapid fire. I don't know how many you got correct. Someone's gonna have to count at the and let us know because <laughs> I didn't count either.
1: Yeah. Um. Speaking of uh, games, Jeffrey, do you want to play a game?
0: I feel like we all have our own little game segment, and I think every week from now on, we should, like, alternate, like, me, you, and I don't know what Anton's game is going to be, but I think, like, we should do, like, every week, one person should lead a game segment at the end of that pod.
1: All right, cool, cool. But I I got a question for you today anyways. Oh, goodness. It's classic. It's a classic question.
0: Go for it. Is... A hot dog is a sandwich? <sighs> See, very simple question. I would say yes. A hot dog is a sandwich. If you, dis- if you decide that a sandwich is consists of bread and something in between the bread, then you could classify a hot dog as a sandwich.
1: Okay, but... Does this bread have to, can be sliced anywhere or does it have to be sliced horizontally for it to be considered a sandwich? As long as there's a filling and bread, it's a sandwich, right?
0: That is what I would consider a sandwich. Like even though like a hot dog bun is one piece of bread. Most of the times it splits into two when you're eating it because, you know, if it's got a lot of stuff, a lot of filling in there, then sometimes splits or, you know, sometimes just like the ketchup, mustard, relish. It softens the bottom part of the bread and it breaks off, you know, so that could become two pieces. But I think in general, bread and something filling uh, in between the bread would be considered. And in terms of what you said about cutting, right, like grilled cheese sandwiches are normally cut diagonally. So I don't think it matters how it's cut. Um, it's fine. Is a is a bun a sandwich then?
1: Yeah, you know, in the bun you might have a chocolate bun. Does now a chocolate sandwich or like, you know, a pork bun is that a pork sandwich now? Is a bun a sandwich then?
0: Um, I wouldn't think so. I think you need to be able to see the filling externally. Like like it has I'm to sorry, be like do a you, clear like, do layer. You
1: always see the cheese in a grill, especially if you use a panini press, right? Then that makes a panini press a destroyer of sandwiches because you can't see it anymore because it's sealed in.
0: If it's a good panini sandwich, you should see some of that filling leaking out. Okay, it's but, so full of...
1: So you're saying as long as it's a good panini press, it's a sandwich, if not, it's not a sandwich. So the, the value of a, sam- of a sandwich is the panini press. <laughs>
0: And also whoever makes it, like if someone's making it properly, then it's a sandwich. If you if you don't make it properly, then it's just a mishmash of food combined together. Into uh, I don't it.
1: think so. You said the quality of the panini press, right? So if you're, you're a top chef using the crappy panini press, you're still going to have be it held to the standard of the panini press.
0: No, but, like, you can give, like, a two-year-old a panini press, which I would highly suggest not to do. Because yeah, just, it's a hazard. Just, just,
1: just for legal reasons, um, the Bag of Pucks podcast does not advocate for having children be using a panini press. Just, just, just so we're getting that off our back first.
0: But, like, someone who doesn't know how to use a panini press, like, if they put the ingredients, like, lopsided... Like, if they don't put it, like, correctly and then they use a panini press, like, that's not going to turn into a proper panini sandwich, right? That's just going to turn into probably a lot of burnt stuff. The smoke alarm probably will go off and you're going to be scraping stuff off the ground. But, like, it has, like, a sandwich needs to be, you know, it, it needs to be correct. Like, it needs to look correct.
1: So, by that logic, though, if I'm making a, you know, a butter sandwich, you know, and I don't apply enough butter where I can see a layer of grease. Then is that not a sandwich? Is a butter sandwich a sandwich in your mind then?
0: No, it's just toast with butter.
1: Okay, what if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but there's not enough peanut butter and not enough jelly? Because you can't see the peanut butter and jelly like, oozing out.
0: Then to me, that's not a sandwich. That's just peanut butter and jam on a piece of toast or a piece of bread. That's not a sandwich you might as well just take those two pieces off or go find some more peanut butter and jam and turn that into a real sandwich. Wait, th- I think the original question was about a hot dog. Is that a sandwich? And I want to hear your answer because, um, you know, you can't always put the blame on me here. You can't push me into all these questions by myself.
1: Oh, yeah, I think it's a sandwich. I'm just being a prick about it. <laughs>
0: i totally agree with your mindset
1: yeah I, I don't know about the whole seeing a thing but i'm just like you know if it's bread and there's a filling it's a sandwich you know it has to be either you know it has to be something where it's some sort of filling that is like i don't know doesn't have to be open face it can be anything can be a filling but as long as you can lift apart the bread and see the inside, it's a sandwich for me. So those buns, yeah, it's a sandwich for me. Everything's a sandwich for me. Sandwiches are great.
0: <laughs> so I think we've kind of, so like if it's like a layer of filling, right? Because like, say like it's a donut, but like they have put it with filling. That's not a sandwich though, right? Because it's not a layer. It's just inside a piece of bread. So it's not a sandwich then, right? Would you consider a donut? Well, you can't, well, I guess you, you can't,
1: Peel off the top of a donut to see the filling. Like a hot dog bun, you can peel off the top half of the bun and now you have, you can see the filling. You may not want to do it because it would be a mess, but it's possible. You know what I mean? A, a, a really crappy, a really crappy grilled cheese sandwich, I can still peel off the top piece of bread.
0: All right, so by your logic, interesting question. Is the top part of a hot dog, the bun, or is it the open face? What? Well, you said, if you're peeling off the top part of a hot dog, does that mean that you don't consider top the part where you see the wiener? Uh, no. So you have your, if you had a hot dog, you would consider the top part being the bun part. Yes. That- remember
1: I'm going with the logic of if it has layers, right? You have bread. Like on, on, before, you put the condiments right. You have bread, sausage, bread. That's your layers. It's not bread, sausage. It's not open. It's not an open face sandwich. It's bread, meat, bread.
0: <laughs> Can you have vertical layers versus horizontal layers? Like, what if you put a sandwich? On, what if you put a sandwich on its side? That's just.
1: It's still a. It, it's still when like the layers still have to be flipped up. The bread is on top. Bread is on the bottom. I get it. If you want to be like all like healthy and whatnot, you'd be like, I want to have a lettuce bun. Your lettuce replaces the bread. The bread is still on top. In a sandwich, bread is on top. Bread is on the bottom. Unless it's like an open face sandwich. Then it's like, you know, it's open to interpretation. But, you know, that's the exception to the rule. Bread, filling, bread. Basis of all sandwiches.
0: Um, So I'm just clarifying. So like, If it's like, you know how they have those sandwiches at like lunches and they have like the two pick in between, but they put it like if it's cut in a triangle and they put it on its side. Like a club sandwich? Yeah, like a club sandwich. If you put it horizontally, it's not a sandwich, but when you put it vertically, then you have your bread filling bread. No, it's just a sandwich
1: placed in a different angle.
0: Okay. I just want to clarify that. it's
1: It's still, the foundation is still there where it's bread filling bread. Right, you just put it sideways. It doesn't change anything. It's like if you have, you know, a cup of yogurt and you put it sideways. You know, it's still yogurt.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking because you did say like it has to be bread on top, bread on bottom, right? So when it's on its side, it's not bread on top, bread, on, uh, bread on the. On bottom. the actual so sandwich, then,
1: yeah. though, bread is still on top. Bread is on the bottom.
0: What if a sandwich was meant to be put on its side? What have we been doing it all wrong the entire time? Like, what if we're supposed to be eating sandwiches sideways, not, you know, bread on top, bread on bottom.
1: The bread is still on top. Like, on the toothpick, the bread is still the last piece and the first piece.
0: You're making no sense here. But it's not top or bottom, right? Like, if you're eating a sandwich, like, if you're eating a sandwich, you can eat it sideways, right? Like, the bread on the left, bread on the right, and the filling in the middle. Versus eating bread on top, bread on bottom. Filling in the middle. Okay,
1: left and right, but at the same time, your bread is still at the bottom of your sandwich. (laughs) Just because you eat it on a different angle, it doesn't mean it changes anything. It's still a sandwich. Like if you're eating a jelly filled donut and you eat the top, or if you're eating a muffin, that's a better one. If you're eating a muffin and you eat it from the top or eat it from sideways, like some weirdo. You're still eating a muffin. That part hasn't changed.
0: What if we said that the bread is on the end of the sandwich instead of saying top bottom? Sure. Okay, there. That Okay, we've clarified what a sandwich is defined as, I guess. So bread on the ends of whatever it is, and there's a layer of filling.
1: That's my definition, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So you've heard it here first a hot dog is a sandwich let us know if you guys think a hot dog is a sandwich or not
1: yeah i I never disagreed with this fact i'll be honest with you
0: you're just being a prick and trying to make me say weird things and i just had to be a prick back to you
1: i am here for the sound bites that's what my job is as a host you know I get sound bites make it interesting
0: yeah, well, I mean, maybe we should like make shorter versions of our pods and like post them. as I don't know, is that like a thing now, like shorts or whatever? Like,
1: uh,
0: I mean, do you, do you want to? <laughs> I'm not editing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe we can find you know something that you can actually do. You know, I, I think that's something you can do. That's that's up your, you know, avenue of finding sound bites, right? So. And with
1: that, we'll uh, stop the show. We'll call it a show. There.
0: <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts for the, this episode? Uh,
1: sandwiches are not as controversial as people make it out to be, and um, the Kings are making the playoffs. Let's go. Um,
0: I would like to say we miss Anson. We need like a tiebreaker, or just someone. We need a third opinion sometimes, and I think we miss Anson. So hopefully, he's back next week. Um, but if not, unfortunately, our listeners are going to be stuck with me and Alson asking stupid questions and playing stupid games, I guess. Joke's on you. I'll still be
1: doing this next week.
0: <laughs> that is fair. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bad Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening. See you soon.